your Bibles and turn with me, and we're going to be looking at several portions of Scripture, but turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. When you come in, if you get an outline, you'll get so much more out of the service. We, we, we have things on the uh, PowerPoint and they're, as they're getting that ready, but, uh, you know, we have an outline there that kind of helps you. I, a lot of these Scriptures and stuff, I just have to keep going. I can't stop, and, and uh, it's not like a Wednesday night when we can talk about it. You know, we just kind of keep going. But one of the greatest criminal acts today that's going is called identity theft. Now, it kind of goes like this. Someone gets information about your social security number. Somebody gets information about your credit card. And then they go in and, 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 and they begin to steal your identity and use it to profit from it. And there's been a lot of people that's been hurt desperately because of identity theft. Now, you've probably heard things like LifeLock and there's you know, things that are come along trying to make security things as that. But as Christians, we are new creatures. We are new creation, but we too have an enemy that tries to steal our identity. And many times he does that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Matter of fact, this is going to be a two-part message. I can't get it all in today. I wish I could, but, but I don't want to keep you here to, to 1.30 or 2 o'clock. Is that Okay. You know, so we, 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 we want to, uh, but I have a lot to say, so I want you to take some notes today. Today's message is understanding your true identity in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 in the New Century Version. It says, though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us a new life with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace and he raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat. It's talking about authority with him in the heavens. He did this for, the how, for those in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice that there. He did that for those in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, help us to understand, O oh God, who we are in Christ. Help us understand the authority that we have and that we may walk in that abundant life today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and the congregation said... Amen. Now, about 10 years ago, there was a story, a true story that happened in Georgia. And a man who had no identification was found. He was beaten. He was uh, naked. He was unconscious uh, behind a Burger King. And again, this happened in Georgia. He, was, he eventually regained consciousness. But when they took him to the hospital, uh, he realized that he had developed what is called amnesia. And he didn't, he didn't know who he was. So for the past many years, he didn't know who he was. Can you imagine this? The FBI did fingerprints on him. They did DNA. They couldn't figure out who he was. Uh, Dr. Phil on the TV show, on a national show, uh, you know, began to talk about him. But nobody would claim him. As a matter of fact, he even hired a, a, uh, a private investigator to try to find out who this man was to no avail, Okay. So Kathleen, a woman who was his nurse, she actually, she took him in. She took him to her house, and for the next 10 years, she began trying to gently restore his memory to find out who this man was. Now, I want you to imagine this. Now, you know, you, you, you know who you are. You know who your family is. You know who your friends are today, okay? You know your past. You know your present. You know the plans and the future, okay? And something like this traumatic would happen in your life. Now, I, I try to put myself in this particular man's shoes, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. That, that his identity, this amnesia, that it was, uh, you, you know, such, such a traumatic event that took place that his memory was lost. He had this uh, amnesia, okay, and his identity was erased. What a, what a terrible thing. 
And it would be a very scary experience now, now to have no recollection and to have no identity at all. So today we're going to talk about that, our true identity. And in your notes, I want you to write this down. Number one in your notes, in Roman numeral one, our spiritual enemy tries to steal your true identity, the who you are in Christ. And many people have lost out because they don't know who they are in Christ. Now, John 10.10, 10, many of you could quote that. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, destroy. What did Jesus say? I come to give you life and to give it to you how? More abundantly. That's what Jesus comes to give. But many people are not living the abundant life. There's an abstract from, from what we talk about and from what is actually happening in one's life as Christians today. So how do we get from here over to here into that place where we are enjoying that abundant life? And Angie talked a little bit about it this morning. We begin to pray for those this morning for the power of Jesus to break the chains. Satan, our enemy, is trying to steal your true identity. Satan, our enemy, is trying to erase the identity that, that Christ has given us as Christians. You know, Satan cannot create anything. Only God is a creator. Only God can create, okay? So Satan, he comes along. What does he do? He tries to pervert, distort, and destroy the things that God has given to us. And, and God has given to us all things freely, but many times we're not operating in that. You know, we, we might be in the abstract, but it's not in our lives. It's not in practicality in our lives, and we're not living the way that God would have us to live. So, so where do we go with this? Okay, what, what has, Satan can't hurt God. He isn't powerful enough as God is. But what he will try to do, he will try to hurt God's children and try to hurt you and I to try to hurt God. Can I get a witness this morning? He will come against you. He will come against me. He will come against the body of Christ. And if he can hurt the body of Christ, he's therefore is thinking, well, I can hurt God. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, if you want to get to me, you know, maybe you can't get to me, but you get to my wife or my kids or my family. Same thing. This is what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to destroy. So Satan knows that if he can keep you from being you, keep you from being who God has called you to be, if he can hide your true identity, if he can distort your true identity, if he can destroy what God has intended in your life to be, you know, he has succeeded in hurting God if he's hurting God's children. Can I get a witness? How does Satan do this? How does Satan keep you from knowing your true identity? In your notes, he has a lot of different tools. Paul says we're not ignorant of his wiles, but many people, but you know, we're not really shouldn't be ignorant. We shouldn't be ignorant of the wiles of the, of the devil, the wiles of the enemy, the tools of Satan. But many times people get hoodwinked, you know, Christians get hoodwinked, and, and they listen to the lies of the devil. So let's, let's just talk about a few of them. One of the tools he uses is the opinions of others. How many of you know opinions are like noses? Everybody has one. And sometimes your opinion might be good and it might not be good. Your parents said things about you. Your peers have said things about you, okay? Your partners have said things about you. Enemies and friends have said things about you with their opinion. Now, some of them were true, but some of them were not true. Come on, somebody, okay? But they were all trying to mold you into an image that they see of you. Let me tell you something. God has a plan for you. God has an image of you. God has good plans for you. God wants you to succeed in life. And, you know, we've all had someone else's opinion that's hurt and, and distorted or got us off track as to the place where we need to go, where God wants us to be. If you believe that, say Amen. So people are trying all your life. They've been trying to get you to be what they want you to be. 
and not what God has created you to be or what God wants you to be. And Satan has his opinions of you too, okay? Satan uses, uh, you, you know, uh, these things like hurt and pain, okay, in your life to deceive you and disguise, you know, your true identity. Why? Why? Because if he can get you to be resentful, if he can get you to be bitter, if he can get you to be angry, if he can get you to be guilty, come on somebody, you know, he gets us off path, you know, and, and it's all this shame and guilt and all these things that he wants to dump on you. Let me tell you something, God loves you this morning. Come on somebody. And God has good plans for you this morning. You know, it's just like, how many of you have, uh, you know, how many of you have babies or, or, or you've had babies? Let me see your hands, okay? How many of you know you just couldn't wait till they woke up, okay? It's like, oh, look at them. Oh, look at the, oh, they're pretty. You know, sometimes I'm up in my office and I hear this little, it's her. <laughs> Lily's crawled up there and come up. You know, and we just can't wait to see those little ones. How many of you know God is the same thing with you? Come on, somebody. He can't wait to see you in the morning. He can't wait. To, I mean, this is the way God is. But So we get this distorted view of, of God because the enemy talks about shame and guilt and all those things. Folks, that's from the devil. Come on, somebody. God has better opinion of you than that. Now, the, the, the opinions of the world, okay? Some uses media, some uses culture all around you to, 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 you know, and there's a message, okay, and messengers that are constantly bombarding you with all these things. You, you should dress like this. You should look like this. You should never have, you know, you know the, 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 this talent or whatever, this ability. And, and why don't you be more like this person or like that person? Why don't you buy what they buy, okay? And, 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 and not to be, you know, uniquely you. Let me tell you something. Some of those things are okay, but let me tell you something. God has made you the way you are. Come on, somebody. And he uniquely formed you, okay? And God has a, a great plan for your life. Then Satan. He puts thoughts in your minds. Okay, well, how does he do that? What, what happened? You, you know, you, you control your thoughts, but people suggest things to you. How many of you have ever been going through, uh, you, you know, the drive-thru or something, and, and you order your order, and they say, would you like to upsize that? Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> There's power in suggestion. Come on, somebody. People suggest things, and we, we, we get hoodwinked. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, give me a 52-ounce, 64, that's okay, yeah. Yeah, and then we drink it. And then we go on a diet. Right. Satan puts thoughts in your mind. Satan, the devil, suggests thoughts. But God also suggests thoughts. Can we talk about that for a moment? When God puts a thought in your mind, we call it inspiration. We call it revelation. We call it one of those aha moments. Like, yes. Oh, hallelujah. You begin to get it, okay? And, and, and so God, he, he puts thoughts in our minds too, okay? So when God gives you a good idea, we call it inspiration. When Satan puts a thought in your mind, we call it temptation. Come on, somebody. And when you get that thought from Satan in your mind, we call it stupidity. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's like, duh, that, that, that don't float. That won't work. That's not for me. So we need to be listening to the right voices and what God is saying about us and find out who we are and our identity in Christ. What do you do with the thoughts that go into your mind? 
I or, or, or the people sitting next to you can suggest thoughts. I, I can suggest a thought to you this morning. What are you going to do? Other people might suggest thoughts to you. What are you going to do? You know, there's a lot of people. And I, I remember when, when I first got saved, a lot of people. Matter of fact, let me just rewind a little bit. I know Angie and I, when we first got married, we got very, very young. And I would not suggest that to the teenagers getting married the way we did, okay? But you know what? We had a lot of people tell us, you'll never make it. Well, we've been around since 1968. I think we're going to make it. So somebody don't know what they're talking about. And listen to this. Some of those that said we're not going to make it, they didn't. So they were judging me by their character. Ouch, that's right. Satan wants to steal your identity. So he says things like you have to earn God's acceptance. You have to earn this thing. Well, there's nothing free. And folks, let me tell you something, but it is when it comes to the things of God. The things that, that we needed from God, we couldn't earn it. We, there's nothing we could do to buy it or anything else. Let me tell you something. God freely gave us all things. Can you say amen? So he gave us the grace, okay? So we, we can't earn it. He gave that to us. Satan wants to steal your identity. You know, he wants you to say, well, you've got to earn God's acceptance and all of that. And Satan says, God, you have to earn God's grace. Not. He says things like, you don't matter. He says things like, well, you're not important. You're never going to amount to anything. And in fact, you're just flat out worthless. These are the things that you hear from the enemy. Folks, I'll tell you what, I, you know what, we know that we hear these things. Let me tell you something. If you'll listen to that that little voice of God and the Holy Spirit, he's going to say to you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. Hallelujah. You're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. See, that's what we need to be hearing. We need to be hearing what God says about us. See, God has a plan. Satan has a plan. And whose plan are you going to listen to? Whose voice are you going to heed to today? You need to think about that. So he says things like, you know that sin you committed. You know God's never going to forgive you. You need to be ashamed of yourself. Shame, 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 shame on you. That's what the enemy says. But God says, you're forgiven. God says, I love you. God reaches out his hand and pulls us up to the place where we need to be this morning. Can you say amen? amen. Shame comes from Satan. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's what this, uh, Satan is saying. But let me tell you what Jesus says. The words of Jesus. Everybody say the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus, the Son of God, your Savior. Here's what Jesus said. I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came to save it. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He gave his life that the world may be saved. God wants every person on the planet Earth to be saved. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Bible says. That's what the word of God says. Then he says things like, you will, you'll never do it. You'll never get it right. I'm talking about the enemy. You know, he, you, you'll never do anything right. You know, he says those things like that. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? So he can hide, folks, your true identity. Oh, you hearing me this morning. Can you hear me now? He's trying to get you to, you know, that true identity, that who you are in Christ and what God thinks about you and God's plan for your life. So God has some good things. But the number one tool that Satan uses in your life to cause your true identity to be erased is 
that to get you to repeat what he has said and get it into your mind. So many times the problem is, you know, Satan will suggest it. He'll say those things. Temptation is going to come your way. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, if you're 8 or 80, it, it doesn't matter. You're always going to have temptation. You're always going to have a fight on your hand. There's always going to be a battle to be fought. There's always going to be times where the enemy is going to come against you and try to tempt you. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are tempted today, yet without sin. So even Jesus was tempted. Come on, somebody. So if our Savior was tempted, you're going to be tempted. The enemy's going to try to get you to go into this situation, whatever it is. But you don't have to fall for his tricks. We're not ignorant of his wiles, as Paul said. There's tools that he's using, but we're going to fall from that. Think about it. My wife... How many of you are on Instagram? Let me see your hands. You got an iPhone on Instagram? Okay. Oh, about half of you. Okay. I got this on Instagram this week, and my wife put it on there and thought, whoa, good preaching, Angie. She says, an entire sea of water can't sink a ship. Have you ever thought about that? I've been on some cruise ships, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I'm getting on this ship, and this ship is getting on the water, and we're going to be out there for a week. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And they talk about how many thousands of tons or how many, you know, or whatever. How many, I don't know. It's, it's enormous. Tons. That's a lot of weight. And then I'm thinking, what about all these people getting on there too? I saw some heavy people getting on there. I got on there. Whoa. We're going to be out here for a week. And they said, already oh, weighed this much, you know. And you think about, hey, is this, this sucker going to stay up? Are, are we going to float, you know? I mean, think about it, okay. An entire sea of water can't, can't, can't sink a ship unless it gets, the water gets inside the ship. Similarly, the negativity of the world can't put you down unless you allow it to get inside of you. As long as the negativity is on the outside, you're okay. But folks, I'll tell you, if you allow it to get on the inside, it could sink your ship. Is that good preaching? Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. You see, Satan or, or the world will plant an idea in your mind. And if it falls 18 inches to your heart, come on somebody, and it gets inside of you and begins to be a part of you, it can cripple you. It could sink you. It, 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 could, it could paralyze you and the things that God has for you. But, it, you know, you need, that's the reason the Bible says that you need to take the shield of faith. Now, come on, put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. And he says, uh, Dan, put the shield of faith that, that, that protects all the fiery darts. So here comes these negative thoughts. Whew. Oh, let's see if he gets that one. Not today. Not today. Not today. I'm not taking those fiery darts of the devil. I'm not going to let him pierce into my mind and tell me, well, you know, so-and-so just passed you right by. I don't think they love you. <laughs> you dirty devil. You know the devil's a dirty devil. Come on, somebody. He'll play dirty tricks. You know, I, I, you, know you need to go to the, the mentality that everybody loves you. You know what? You know, the Bible says, that, you, know, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. If you have a problem with yourself, you're definitely going to have a problem with your neighbor. Some people don't love themselves. How in the world are they going to love their neighbor? Now, I'm talking about the self. I'm talking about who you are in Christ. I'm not talking about what the devil says about you. Although I'm talking about who you are, the things that God has given to you. Can you say amen? 
So Satan of the world, he plants an idea. He plants a seed. And he don't have to mention it again. Why? Because you start repeating that. Or you start dwelling on that. Now, is it the same thing in, in the way in the garden? It started out this way. You know, the, the devil says to Eve, now, have God said that? Did God say that? I don't know. Oh, duh. I don't know. Did God say that? That's the reason you need to know what God says. You need to know the word of God. You need to know what God's saying about you. You need to know that you're more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody. You're more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, but you're more than a conqueror. You know, again, enemy says, you know, you know, I'm worthless. I'm no good. I'm never going to amount to anything. These are the things that come to your mind. Now, folks, if you start dwelling on that, if you start thinking about that, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm ashamed, all those things, and you start letting that run through your mind, it's going to get you down. So reason you need to know what God says about you. Can you say amen? amen? Now, Satan doesn't have to mess with you, most of you. All he has to do is put that idea in your mind, and then he gets you to start repeating it or dwelling on it or thinking about it. And then he has you. Now, if all these tools, everybody say all these tools. If all these tools are being used against me to conceal who God really made me to be, okay, my parents, my peers, society, media, Satan, the world, come on somebody, all of these things, how do I know the real me? Now, that's the question that we're going to go into and the remainder of this service and to the next time I minister, we're going to be talking about it. How do I know that? You know, how do I know that? We could go back to the famous 1700s philosopher, Blaise Pascal, who said he was, a, he was a physicist and he was also a mathematician in the 1600s. And he said this, and he said, he was also a philosopher, and he said, not only do we know God through Jesus Christ, but we only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I'm going to repeat that again. You need to write this down. This is something you need to think about. And if, it, if this gets inside of you, this can change the you that you need, you know, the old you to the new you that God wants you to be. Not only do we know God through Jesus Christ, but we only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. Oh, what is God saying about, what did Jesus say about? We only know life and death through Jesus Christ. So apart from Jesus, folks, we're nothing. But with him, we're everything. Notice that phrase, in Christ, all through the scriptures. 140 times in the Bible, it talks about in Christ. How that we are in Christ, we're with Christ, we're seated together uh, with Christ, we're in Christ. Those words, those phrases, it's because that we are connected. When you come to Jesus, we are one. We are one together, we're one. And, and we're heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In other words, we are together with him. Whatever is his is, is mine, whatever is mine is his. We are together, we're one. So we need to understand that. So about... 35 times in the, uh, those times in the Bible, God says, because you're in Christ, here is your true identity. Now, this past week, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, uh, my contract was up with Verizon. How many of you have a Verizon phone? Hold it up. Would you do that? Okay, my, mine was up. I had it for a couple of years, and, and I noticed my son, you know, when he go to talk on his, he, you know, he, 
you know, he didn't have to do anything for the security thing, you know, or that way if you leave your phone land, somebody couldn't get it and start opening it up and see what's on your phone or make calls or whatever, you know. And, and uh, I thought, hey, what are you doing there? He said, oh, it's uh, my thumbprint. So, Mike, if you've got my phone today, you can look at it all you want to. You can't do nothing with it. You see that? It's locked up. But you know what? I could put my thumbprint on there. You see that? So cool. Yeah, I just got a message just then. What about that? Got another one. Just my thumbprint. My thumbprint's on my phone. I don't have to go in there and say, okay, 369, you know, whatever, whatever you want to put on there. I don't have to do that anymore. I just put my thumb on it. It's like, mm, I like that. Well, I'm going to give you some thumbprints or fingerprints of who you are in Christ. We're going to cover a, cover a couple of the points today, and we're going to have five, two today and three the next time. So this, is, this message is just a little bit too big, okay? So uh, let, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and there's five fingerprints or thumbprints of your true identity, and we're going to look at them, and I want you to turn there. And I, I, I want to read this scripture so it's so important. Uh, it's just so important, and if I don't cover everything, we'll just pick it up, you know, the next time that we, that we minister, okay? But First Peter 2, 9 and 10, this is what he says. You are, now he's talking about your identity. You are, you are, you are what? He's going to tell us, you are your identity, a chosen people. God says you're a chosen people. I, God says I chose you. How many of you have ever been on a, um, uh, you know, played sports or whatever and Remember in high school or grade school or whatever, you know, and you're on the, on the yard there, you know, and people are, you got two of the biggest guys or two of the best people, you know, and they, they start choosing teams. And it's, oh, I pick you, you know. Feels pretty bad when you're the last one. It's like. And they're looking for the best talent they can get on their team, you know. And <laughs> Some of you are laughing, <laughs> Yeah, it's one of me. I, I, me. I was waving. But when someone chooses you, it's like, yes, especially when you're chosen number one. It's like, yep, yeah, I want you. Now, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm playing euchre, we play cards euchre, and it's not gambling, folks, okay, euchre, you don't know, but it, it's a card game. If this guy's anywhere around, I choose you. This is my team partner right here. I mean, man, we, we, he thinks like I think. He's kind of a little aggressive like I am. He, t- he steps out, and he does those things. He's, he's thinking outside the box, you know. We're kind of thinking alike. We're going to... And most of the time we win. Oh, I like that. But God says, I choose you. You might think, really? You chose me? Yes, God says, I'm choosing you. You know what? We can do all things through Christ. It's not who I am, it's who he is. You know, greater is he that's, come help me out, within you than he that's within the world. Oh, I better, I better go on. I'm, I'll stay here all day. You are a chosen people. That's your identity. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. Now, now what does these mean? We're, we're going to look at them. They're, they're all very significant, okay? Now, notice this. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were a people, in other words, you had no identity, okay? Once you were not a people, okay? Once you were not a people, in other words, no identity. But now you are the people of God. I chose you. 
God began to turn this thing around, and God says, you're on my team. You're on my side. You're with me. You're in Christ. You're with Christ. You have authority, okay? Now, notice this. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, in this passage, you can underline there's five identities or five marks of your life in Christ. First, you're a chosen people. You need to underline that. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You need to underline that. You're a holy. Underline that. You are a people belonging to God. Underline that. And then finally, the fifth thing there, he says, you have received mercy. Okay? Now, now we're not only just going to list and talk about that, but we're going to broaden this a little bit, okay? I want you to consider the deep meaning of each of these. Deep meaning. We're going to, get it, we're going to peel the onion. We're going to get down into that because they're packed with significance of who God has created you to be. So first, in the Roman numeral uh, two there, the second point this morning, I am completely accepted. I am completely accepted. Not just accepted, but I am completely accepted. This is vital to know in life and in your life because we all have wounds. How many of you ever been hurt? Let me see your hands. See, we all have wounds. We all have scars. We all have things that we could talk about. We all have struggles in our life. And some of these deep wounds in our life often come from the rejection from other people and other things and rejection in life. And God says, I choose you, okay? I choose you. you I com- you're completely accepted in Christ. You know, one of the things that we do here as, as part of our, our statement here, of ministry statement here at the church, that we want to accept people right where they are, okay? And when you got, how many of you know that when you got saved, you had a lot of things in your life that needed to be cleaned up? Somebody say amen. But see, God chose you right where you was. He loved you right then. He saved you then. I mean, when I got saved, I thought, ooh, I'm going to have to learn a new vocabulary. <laughs> I mean, I had to, I, there were some of those times I'd be talking to other Christians, Mike, and I'd have to say, oh, oh excuse me, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, some people call it French. It's not French, it's sin. <laughs> Did you hear me? Are you getting this this morning? It's sin. It's not French. It's sin. I had a guy where he said, oh, excuse my French. I said, that's not French. That's sin. That's what that is. (laughs) This is vital to know in your life, the wounds. We've all had struggles. We've all been rejected, and some of us more than others, okay? Some of us less. And in our families, in the office, in situations, in school situations, maybe rejected by a friend. A lot of areas and places where we've been rejected. And folks, I know what it feels like to be rejected. I know what that feels like. And and God knows what that feels like. Jesus was rejected. You know, he came into his own, his own received him not to, but as many as received him, to them gave he power, becomes the sons of God. So he chose us. He he chose us. He has a something for us in mind, okay? So we've all been rejected. Now, that rejection, it causes a deep wound inside of us. Some people get better, some people get bitter. Have you ever been around someone, you know, some, some of the most bitter people that you can be around is someone that was once had an experience in church and maybe they, they had a church experience but they, somebody hurt them and they let that wound begin to identify who they were. They let that wound uh, begin to identify them and, 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 and mark them and, and, and they begin to be that person, okay? Let me tell you something, we need to be beyond that and beyond that, come on somebody better than that, okay? And this is what we're talking about today. We try to find acceptance from our parents. We try to find acceptance from our friends. We try, you know, we, 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 you know, and all along, God says, I accept you. 
you're completely accepted by me, okay? And it starts to influence every part of our lives. Your desire, okay? And, and my desire is to be accepted, and that's what we need. That's the first base. That's what we need. That's the reason that here at OBC that, you know, we accept people just like God accepts them right where they are. And we will pray with you. We will work with you. We will help you become that person that God wants you to be because God has some good things in store for you. And God has a good plan for your life. Can you say amen? Now, it starts to influence our lives, our desires to be accepted. One wears certain things so that people around them will accept them. True or false? True. We know that to be true. It's like certain things that you wear. You know, I, I remember when my kids was growing up, it's like, you know, you could buy a pair of tennis shoes or you could buy the pair that's in style. Now, to buy a pair of tennis shoes is one thing, but buy the, the ones that, you know, look like the, the, the sport guy that they're trying, you know, how many of you know that just doubled and the price just went up? Well, I don't want them. Well, they were just as good as the others. Some of you parents, like that dog in the back of the window. You know that to be true. You know, a lot of times, you know, my wife and I are very frugal and try to use a lot of wisdom in things we do. And, you know, it's not how much money sometimes you have. It's what you do with what you have and what you get with what you get. How many has ever heard the term generic? You know, the generic things, you, you know, you, you can go to the, uh, you, you can go to the pharmacy and, and get the, the generic. It's the same thing. Look at the ingredients. But one says the name. You know, our day, my day, I should say, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, Jordan Ayers, you know, Michael Jordan was a thing. Well, I'm, I'm a little outdated now with the basketball. I'm not keeping up with it as much. But you're getting my drift. You're getting my drift. You know, we, we do some crazy things, crazy things we do that, that, that we want to impress people and get their acceptance. Can I tell a little story? I'm in school. It's about the second or third grade. And there was this cute girl. Don't tell Angie. She's... Oh, a fox and a half, you know. She was pretty. She's a pretty little girl. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to impress her, man. And, I, you know, I just talked about what I can do. And I'm doing with crayons. I said, I can eat a crayon. Crayon. <laughs> And after I ate it, I thought, am I going to swallow this thing? <laughs> Folks, we've all done something. And, you know, I'm just a little more, uh, uh, you know, a little more open than you are this morning. But let me tell you that we've all done some crazy things. Come on, somebody, to try to get acceptance from other people. I want that little girl to like me. I think she run from me after that. <laughs> Eats crayons. Ooh. I thought it was going to be cool, but I don't think I was cool after that. <laughs> Have you ever looked at a picture of people in the 70s and you think, what in the world? What did they wear that for? <laughs> when their day was accepted. It was a thing. It's like, dude, what in the world? 
I have this sweater. I've told you this before. I'm going to say it again. I have this sweater. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, I look like Mr. Rogers when I put it on. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. My wife says, I'm getting rid of that. I said, no, you're not. That's my sweater. She gets rid of a lot of things, but that one doesn't go. That's in the 70s. I said, it's come back in. It's new now. It's, it's in style now. All you have to do is keep something for a while. Come on, somebody. It comes back in style. Being chosen, the flip side to that is a, is a good thing. It makes you feel good when you're chosen by somebody and somebody loves you. And, and when you're chosen for promotion at work, it's a good feeling, you know. I, I mean, over here, it's, it's people, you know, the world's trying to get you into their mold and buy their things and do their things and look a certain way. But when you know that you're chosen of God right where you are, it doesn't matter if you're red or yellow, black or white. It doesn't matter if you're poor or if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're male or if you're female. We're all one blood in Christ. Come on, somebody. We need to understand that. So look at, again, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, you have been chosen by God himself. That's where you start. That's the truth about you. This is your identity. That's your fingerprint. Two things you need to look at in your notes. Write this down. That will begin to let you know that God has chosen you deeply. Number one, because God chose me before everything. God chose me. There it is up on the screen. God chose me before everything. That's why I'm completely acceptable, okay? Before everything, God chose me. Ephesians 1.4 says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight by His love. How many of you know that you can tell when someone loves you? You can sense when someone loves you. And God loves us, okay? You need to understand that. We've been accepted before God chose us to make before God chose the ocean, he, you know, he chose us. Before he chose the planet, he chose us. Before God chose the stars and the solar system and all of those things that he created, he chose us first. He chose us first. And then secondly, I know also because Jesus has made me acceptable. Write that down. Jesus has made me acceptable. Titus 3, 7 says, uh, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He certainly treated me better than I deserved. He treated me better, okay? He made me acceptable to God and he gave me hope of eternal life. And I want you to underline he made us. I want you to underline he gave us in that scripture there that I gave you in your notes. That's where acceptance comes from. You know, if you're trying to get acceptance from God like you're trying to get it from everybody else by chasing after things, it's not going to work. If you're trying to earn it, it's not going to work. You just have to receive it. You have to accept it because we've been accepted. And God says, I accept you right where you are. And I'm going to help you. Let me tell you something. I, 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 love, I love what one minister says. He said, you know, when God saves us, you know, it, it's kind of like this. Some people have this mentality. Well, you know, you know, once I get to a certain place in life, then, then, then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let God come into God's kingdom. I'll, I'll be saved. No, no, you know, and they've got, because they've got all these things in their life, they think, you know, God doesn't accept them. It's kind of like, you know, you know, if you've got a dirty floor and you say, well, once I clean the floor up, you know, then God's going to give me some Ajax or whatever it is to clean. No, no, he'll give you that to begin with. He does a work in your life. He comes along and gives you those things that you need to get your life cleaned up. 
He accepts you right where you are. All the junk and the stuff and the craziness in your mind and your head. When you come to Jesus, you are saved. You are made a new creature. Old things, help me out, are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Oh, hallelujah. Next, Roman number three. I'm extremely valuable. This is better than even acceptance. Why? Because we want to be valued. We need it. We need someone to value us. We need someone to value us. Now, you know, um, there's a lot of things I could say about this. It's just like we can't wait until our, uh, you, know, you know, things happen in our life and that, that you know, uh, well, let, let me go on. Let me say this. I'm a, let me give an illustration. I'm a gun lover, okay? And, and you know, I, I, the condition of buying a gun, you know, if it's fair, if acceptable, uh, but if it's in fine condition, it makes a big difference. Now, if it's acceptable, it's, it's good, but when it's in fine condition, it's more valuable. The same thing is about you. You're not just acceptable. You're extremely valuable with God. God values you. He puts a value on your life. You know, some of you, you've been to some of these antique stores or you've been around some place and maybe, maybe some of these, uh, you, you know, use stores or something and you find something that's very valuable and the person didn't realize how valuable that is. It's like, you know, and they got a price tag on it. It's like, wow, they don't know what that's worth. Sometimes I'm around, I see some of those things. It's like, they don't know what that's worth. And many people, this is like, well, what do you want for that? Well, I want this. And it's like, man, that's more valuable than that. If you only knew, come on, somebody. How I many of you see some of these shows about the pawn shops when they take something in? And they, they, they think, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, you know, found it in the backyard. <laughs> it's upstairs, you know. I don't, is this worth anything? Oh, yes, that's valuable. How many of you know that's what God looks at you and says, you're valuable? You're valuable. Turn that person inside of you and say, he's talking to you. You're valuable. <laughs> now, you could go buy a used car and get a good used car, and it might be 30, 40 years old. And it's like, that's antique, uh, you know, and, and you, you might pay a price for that. And it's valuable. But I want to tell you something the value goes up if that's the car Elvis Presley drove, it automatically goes up. See, the value of that, let me tell you something. You're in Christ. Your value goes up. Come on, somebody. You are valuable. Is God valuable? If God is, you are because you're in him. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Now, why am I extremely valuable? There's two reasons. Write this down. We're going to get through these and we'll close it up, okay? Number one, the first reason is because God is my father. God is my father, okay? And if God is my father and I'm in his family and I'm part of the, I get part of the family inheritance. As I said earlier, I'm, we're heirs with God, but we're joint heirs with Jesus. Now, folks, I'll tell you something. If you, if you, one of your, if your parents decease and they have a, a, a you know, they have an inheritance there, you, you know, uh, and there's a will, probably you're in that and you're going to get that part of the inheritance. Why? Because you're part of that family, okay? You're part of that family. That's, that's just the way it goes. That's the way it is. And it's the same way with God. We're heirs with God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Folks, we, we, you know, God is our, our Father and we need to understand that. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 and 24 in your notes. Jesus said this, look at the birds. 
God feeds them, and you are, help me out, more valuable to him than any birds. You know, birds are on the welfare system. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they don't care for anything. Just fly around. God says, oh, got something over here for you. Thank you. God says, hey, there's somebody getting ready to throw some bread out the window right now. You can get it. Thank you. God takes care of them. If God takes care of birds, don't you think he'll take care of you? How much more is he going to take care of you if you take care of birds? Come on, somebody. And then the second thing here is, the second reason why I'm extremely valued is because Jesus gave his life for me. Now, folks, someone willing to give their life up, you must be pretty valuable. This shows my value. Jesus gave his life for me. A lot of people say, oh, you're nothing, you're worthless. But Jesus said, no, you're not. You're, you're, worth, you're valuable to me, extremely valuable to me. Jesus said, I didn't make no junk. Come on, somebody. Now look at this last scripture, 1 Corinthians 7, 23. You have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. He paid for you by his own blood. Can you say Amen. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to pick up three more fingerprints later. I want to pray with you this morning. I don't want to get into the third one here. I, I, I you know, and then the fourth one, the fifth one, it'll be after one o'clock or what. I, I can't do that. But I, I want to pray with you this morning. And uh, would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I want you to meditate just for a moment on some of the things that we've said today. Has Satan lied to you? Has Satan stole your identity? Has the opinions of others stole your identity? Has someone else stole your identity? You can get it back today. The Bible says you were made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 2, 6. And that should just be something that's in your heart and your mind. Who am I in Christ? Well, I've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. What does that say? What does that say? It's speaking about authority that we have. It's talking about the authority that we have in God. We have authority in God. As Jacob comes this morning, I, I just want to pray with you. And, and you're made to sit together in heavenly places. Now, all of the things that we've said today so far, the things that the enemy said, the things that uh, uh, peers and, and partners and parents or whoever, opinions or whatever, the tools of the enemy, all those things. And then what we've said, but you are valuable, you are acceptable. And what God thinks about you, God has a good plan for your life. God loves you with an everlasting love. God is here this morning to help you to find your way, your true identity.